0: Going the wrong way!
1: What? They're going the wrong way! They're going in the wrong direction!
2: I know! I know! I know! I'm trying to do something about it! I'm trying, I really am!
0: Well I don't know why I came here tonight? I got to feeling something right. No, it ain't! I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair get down the stairs. Clowns to the left me. jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with
2: you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest, and China Lake. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFC, Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites, Blankening, Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I have, do you have internet in there, Desi Doyen? Do you have some internet?
3: I think I do. It appears Uh, that I do. I'm sorry that you don't.
2: I'm I'm, I'm flying blind today. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. I'm I'm going. It's a blessing. uh, You're right, it might be. I'm going commando. Uh, Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you here with us. Uh, You know, have you have you been fooling yourselves about covid and getting your shots because folks in the media keep telling you, oh, Omicron, not as severe as previous strains? Well, do me a favor. Please stop fooling yourself. Uh, Covid-19 hospitalizations in the U.S. have now reached a record record high as of Monday not cases but hospitalizations that according to a reuters tally as a surge in infections caused by the highly contagious omicron variant strains health systems in a whole bunch of states there were 1000 well, let's see, 132,646 people hospitalized with COVID as of Monday, surpassing the record that was set in January of last year. During the what we thought, anyway, was the height of the COVID crisis. Hospitalizations have increased steadily since late December, doubling in the last three weeks as Omicron quickly overtook Delta as the dominant version in the U.S., Uh, Less severe? Well, hopefully, at least for those who got their shots, including hopefully a booster, but the sheer numbers uh, of Omicron, since it's so much more contagious, uh, you know, for those to whom it is not less severe particularly those who don't have their shots, well, once again, they are overwhelming hospitals. Delaware, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Wisconsin have all reported record levels of hospitalized COVID-19 patients recently. Pay attention. Uh, While potentially less severe, says Reuters, health officials have warned the sheer numbers of infections caused by Omicron could strain the hospital systems, some of which have already suspended elective procedures as they struggle to handle the surge of patients amid staff shortages. Why do they have staff shortages? Well, because a lot of them have quit after two years of this madness. In other cases, their staff are also sick.
3: Yeah, and just to be clear, the idea of, of some cases being elective surgery, things that are elective surgery that are being put off are people with brain tumors, for example. Mm. Those are considered elective surgery. So yes, people who are crowding the hospitals, you know, primarily the unvaccinated are crowding out people who also need medical care.
2: Or yeah, people who, you know, have a heart attack are in a car accident. There may not be a bed for those folks. Uh, So, yeah, please uh, get your shots. The seven day average now for new cases has doubled in just the last 10 days. The U.S. has averaged over a half a million cases for the last six consecutive days. According to Reuters, deaths, deaths are now averaging 1,700 per day in the U.S. That's up from about 1,400 a day. Uh, just a few days ago. And now we are within the levels that were seen during the Delta peak a few weeks ago. So do the right thing. Get your shots. Pretty please. And welcome to the broadcast. In other grim news, it's only got to get better today, right? Oh, that's the idea. (laughs) We'll see about that. New data. Out from uh, the European Copernicus Climate Change Service finds that the last seven years have been the hottest on record. Yeah, it's... Not getting better yet, Des. Yeah. Twenty twenty one ranks as the fifth hottest year recorded of all time, as the world continues to see a rise in climate changing greenhouse gas emissions. That, according to the annual findings by the Copernicus Climate Change Service, released on Monday, their report shows a continuing upward trend in temperatures as fossil fuel emissions trap more heat in the atmosphere. Human-caused climate change has fueled hotter temperatures and drier conditions across the world, and according to scientists, if you still believe in those sorts of things... Uh, has resulted in worsening and more deadly and devastating disasters like hurricanes and wildfires and heat waves and droughts and floods and more, as we have seen more and more increasingly in recent years. Last year uh, also closed with the UN Global Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, which resulted in an agreement. I should say a soft agreement, anyway, among the nearly 200 nations to accelerate the fight against climate change and commit to tougher climate pledges, keeping global temperatures from surpassing one and a half degrees, 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's the level set by the 2015 Paris Agreement, that scientists say will help avert the worst effects of climate change. Well, that would require that the world nearly halves. Its greenhouse gas emissions within the next decade and reach net zero emissions by 2050, according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change.
3: Now, remember that agreement, that soft agreement to try to keep temperatures from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. Humanity has already caused global warming to reach 1.1 degrees Celsius. So yep. we're already very much well on the way toward meeting that 1.5 degrees Celsius temperature target. And the IPCC scientists, the U.N. scientists, have said that we are probably very likely, unless we you know, pick up the pace, going to overshoot that 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold periodically. But there is still a chance that if all nations meet all of their temperature targets on time, Mm -hmm. that we can keep it from going from sustaining beyond 1.8 degrees Celsius. And all of these, of course, still have very strong impacts when you heat up the atmosphere, you heat up and uh, increase extreme weather disasters, as you mentioned. And also should point out that in the lower 48 states, April through December of 2021 was the warmest nine-month period in U.S. history, and it was the hottest December on record in the United States, which helped fuel those deadly tornadoes and Mm -hmm. wildfires, the tornadoes in the Midwest that killed all those people, and the uh, wildfire in Colorado that uh, burned down two towns, three towns, actually.
2: Yeah, and uh, as far as keeping emissions down, well, that is not going well Either, At least now we seem to be headed, as I said at the top, headed in the wrong direction. America's greenhouse gas emissions from energy and industry rose 6.2 percent in 2021 as the economy began recovering from pandemic lows and the nation's coal plants roared back to life. That, according to a preliminary estimate published on Monday by the Rhodium Group, America needs to decrease emissions about 5% a year in order to meet those commitments uh, to both the Paris Climate Agreement and last year's summit in Glasgow and basically do what it is the scientists are telling us we must do, decrease about 5% a year. Last year, we were up 6.2%. The 2021 rebound was not a complete surprise. However, the nation's emissions had plummeted more than 10%. Back in 2020, that's the largest one-year drop on record, and it was visible and awesome.
3: Yeah, remember? The blue Uh, skies and no pollution. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that was, of course, after the initial coronavirus outbreak had triggered widespread lockdowns and energy use had plunged to its lowest level in decades. As uh, restrictions eased and economic activity picked up, emissions were expected to bounce back and indeed They did. On the bright side of these numbers, if it can be regarded as that, according to Kate Larson at Rhodium Group, she says, quote, if anything last year's uh, rebound in emissions was lower than it could have been, that's good. But she says that's because. The pandemic is still causing disruptions.
3: Yeah, and uh, definitely a pandemic is not the recommended way to reduce your emissions. (laughs) No, Uh,
2: but it works.
3: Well, it worked for a short time. And, you know, part of the I think of the good news is that renewable energy in 2021 hit a 20 percent share of Mm. U.S. electricity Mm. generation. Mm -hmm. And that is great. However, it was overtaken by the comeback of coal And Mm -hmm. coal for electricity generation. And that, the the increase in coal, was triggered by higher natural gas prices. And that was triggered because the U.S. in December became the world's number one exporter of liquefied natural gas. So higher natural gas prices are happening now in the U.S. because U.S. consumers have to compete with the global market now. And...
2: Yeah, and in turn, it's a vicious cycle The prices of uh, natural gas go up So coal suddenly, which had been the most expensive Suddenly it becomes
3: A bit more cost-competitive
2: Cost-competitive, and so they start firing up the old coal plants Yes,
3: we get more pollution and more emissions
2: The uh, uptick in emissions has underscored the challenges that President Biden faces In his quest to shift the nation away from oil and gas and coal And help avert a drastic rise in global Temperatures. Biden has set a goal of slashing the nation's greenhouse gas emissions at least 50 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. Uh, that's roughly the pace that scientists says everyone in the world needs to follow to keep the Earth from warming more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and minimize the risk of catastrophic effects. After last year's rebound, U.S. emissions are now just 17.4 percent below 2005 levels. Remember, we need to get to 50 percent. Several recent studies have found that the U.S. is likely to fall far short of achieving Biden's climate goals without major new policies to speed up the transition to wind and solar and other clean energy. Whether Biden can enact these policies, well, that is now, thanks in no small part yet again, Thanks to West Virginia's Senator and Lord of Democracy, Joe Manchin, uh, that's a major question. His Build Back Better Act, which contains $555 billion in spending and tax incentives for renewable power and electric cars and other climate programs, by far the largest investment in tackling climate change in history, That bill remains in limbo right now on Capitol Hill. Manchin, a crucial Democratic swing vote, has so far balked at supporting the legislation. The Democrats are expected to try again this year. Recent analysis uh, led by researchers at Princeton found that the bill, if it is passed in its current form, in fact, it could potentially get the U.S. most of the way To that climate goal by tripling or quadrupling the pace of wind and solar power installations, accelerating uh, electric vehicle sales and spurring utilities to retire more coal plants over the next decade. But, of course, as the old Upton Sinclair quote goes, it is difficult to get a man to understand something. When his salary depends on his not understanding it. And yes, we're talking to you, Joe Manchin. His much bigger paycheck, frankly, comes from his not from his taxpayer Senate salary, but from his family's coal services business. So this is uh, likely to continue to be a very tough fight, even as Manchin Uh, Also seems to oppose all sorts of other elements of the Build Back Better bill, including the very progressive, transformative expansions of health care and child care, education, elder care and much more, all supported by pretty much the entirety of the Democratic caucus in both houses of Congress and the White House. But with Build Back Better stalled for now this week in advance of next week's Martin Luther King Day holiday, Democrats are pivoting back, for the moment anyway, to voting rights and election protection as the Republicans' authoritarian assault on American democracy itself continues unabated in the states following last year's attempt by Trump and his cronies to steal the 2020 presidential election. That, too. Election reform is still being blocked by Joe Manchin, even though he claims to support election and voting rights reforms, all the while the January 6th committee and hopefully the Department of Justice are working on accountability for not just the dupes who were hoaxed into believing that the election was stolen in 2020, so they attacked the Capitol to try and prevent Joe Biden's Electoral College victory, but also for those who lied to them. Accountability for the folks who caused the insurrection, the folks who hoaxed them in the first place in their grand plan to steal the presidency for Donald J. Trump. For that, no one has yet been held accountable. So I want to take a quick break here and I want to talk about all of the above momentarily. And then I actually want to open up the phones to you. Do you have any more confidence today Attorney General Merrick Garland and the DOJ are actually planning on holding the planners of the attempted election theft, the coup, and the insurrection itself accountable, following uh, Garland's remarks last week commemorating the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack. Don't remember what he said? Don't worry. I'll play it for you again here. And uh, and get your thoughts. Did it uh, give you any comfort? Did it put you at ease? Are you still skeptical that uh, Merrick Garland and the DOJ are doing anything about the folks behind the attack on the U.S. Capitol in uh, in January of, uh, of 2021? Our phone number is 818-985-5735. I'd love to know. If you have any more confidence today than you did last week in Merrick Garland, and is he on the job as he claims? I'll share, like I said, some of his remarks, and I will look forward to your thoughts on that today. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast.
3: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You know who's under pressure right now? Merrick Garland. He's under a lot of it, and as well he should be. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. With the uh, Build Back Better bill stalled in the U.S. Senate for the moment, thanks Joe Manchin, Democrats in Congress are pivoting back to voting rights and election protection this week in advance of, uh, of next year's Martin Luther King Day holiday. And in my opinion, not a moment too soon. Whether they have the votes to do what needs to be done, well, to reform the filibuster in some way to allow for the passage of several key bills, that remains to be seen. Democrats, according to AP on Monday, are mounting an impassioned bid to overhaul Senate rules that stand in the way of their sweeping voting legislation, arguing dark forces unleashed by Donald Trump's falsehoods. About the 2020 election in his attempt to steal it, AP, you could have noted that, uh, that all of this demands an extraordinary response, say Democrats. In fiery speeches and interviews, President Biden and top congressional Democrats have seized on the one-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection as a reason to advance their long-stalled voting, ethics, and elections package. Senate Republicans Warn that any rules changes will haunt Democrats someday under a GOP majority. Well, guess what? They should haunt the Democrats already, because what did what did Mitch McConnell do as soon as he took over the majority under Donald Trump back in uh, 2017? Well, they did away with the filibuster. They reformed the filibuster to allow For a simple majority to seat members of the U.S. Supreme Court for life, the highest court in the land. So Republicans are already going to change the filibuster if they feel like it. It doesn't matter what Democrats do. So, hey, Democrats, do the right thing. Pass voting rights uh, reform and do it now. Trump's false claims of a stolen election not only incited the mob that stormed the Capitol, his unrelenting campaign of disinformation also sparked a GOP effort to pass new state laws that have made it much more difficult to vote, while in some cases rendering the administration of elections themselves susceptible to political influence and subversion and reversal and and out-and-out theft under the pretenses of lawful election reform. Democrats' various voting legislation proposals uh, include the Freedom to Vote Act, which would be, frankly, revolutionary, and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Uh, They would both usher in the biggest overhaul of U.S. elections in a generation, striking down hurdles to voting enacted in the name of so-called election security by Republicans. Reducing the obscene influence of big money in politics for for both parties, by the way, and ending uh, partisan gerrymandering in all 50 states by limiting partisan influence over the drawing of congressional districts. The package would create national election standards for early voting and vote-by-mail accessibility that would override the state-level GOP laws that are meant to suppress the votes of certain types of voters. It would also restore the ability of the Justice Department to police election laws in states with a history of discrimination as Attorney General Merrick Garland called for once again last week during his speech at the DOJ commemorating the first anniversary of Donald Trump's January 6 attack on the U.S. Capitol in hopes of blocking congressional certification of Joe Biden's electoral college victory as Trump and his MAGA mob blatantly tried to steal the presidential election in a broad and intricately planned, if failed, scheme. Many Democrats say the moment has come to act decisively in what they view as the civil rights fight of the era. Changing Senate rules in 2022 offers perhaps the best, the last best chance to counteract Republicans' state-level push – before the midterm elections when Democrats' House majority and slim hold uh, on the U.S. Senate 50-50 Senate could likely be wiped out. Yet what actions they will take, well, that remains highly uncertain at this hour. It depends on the often elusive support of Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Key Democrats have been meeting with him for weeks, brainstorming options that he might find acceptable while also enlisting outside allies to lobby uh, to lobby for his support. He claims to support the voting rights uh, reform measures. Uh, As a matter of fact, the uh, the Freedom to Vote Act is based on everything that Joe Manchin wanted in the election reform bill. That is 100 percent acceptable to Joe Manchin, he claims. He voted for it, but without 10 Republicans coming aboard, that legislation is still dead in the water. For now, AP reports Manchin has made no firm commitments. He has repeatedly said he will not support lowering the filibuster's 60-vote threshold for passing most legislation. That stance is shared by fellow Democratic obstructionist Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. Until the threshold is lowered, enacting election legislation could prove difficult, if not impossible, according to AP. Leaning into the fight, Joe Biden is set to deliver a speech in Atlanta on Tuesday on voting rights, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has added to the civil rights symbolism of all of this by setting the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday on January 17 as the deadline to either pass the voting legislation or consider revising the rules. The Senate is likely to hold a series of test votes this week intended to underscore Republican opposition to voting rights and democracy. The renewed focus on voting rights comes as much of Biden's agenda has now stalled out in Congress. Before Christmas, Manchin single-handedly halted the work on Biden's roughly $2 trillion package of social and environmental initiatives, delaying the bill, well, indefinitely for now. Republicans say invoking the January 6th insurrection is offensive, but of course they do. Many of them did plot, after all, for months to steal the 2020 election from the American people, from the American voters, so it's no surprise that the GOP would love to focus on anything but that right now. As the January 6th committee and maybe perhaps the DOJ closes in on the plotters and not just the grunts who were duped into carrying out the insurrection. Now, we have been fairly critical on this program of Merrick Garland and his apparent lack of action regarding accountability for Trump and his cronies, not just on January 6th. Uh, but and his attempt to steal the presidential election, but on a host of other crimes that the uh, disgraced, twice impeached, corrupt authoritarian manchild of a former president and his cronies have carried out in recent years. We've had guests on this program, in fact, calling for Garland's resignation for his failure to convene a DOJ task force to look into Trump's litany of clearly criminal acts. But focusing for the moment on January 6, uh, Sidney Blumenthal at the Guardian had a terrific deep dive. Uh, just it's headlined: "The insurrection is only the tip of the iceberg." It pulled together a lot of of a lot of threads and connects a lot of dots above and beyond even much of the details that have so far come out from the U.S. House Select Committee on the January 6 attack. He divides. Uh, The pieces of this attack and on democracy itself uh, between this months long coup, preparations for this coup by a lot of folks, including right wing media personalities, Koch Network funded groups like the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, and the Public Interest Legal Foundation, PILF, and the secretive right wing Council on National Policy, the CNP. On state and federal public officials in Congress, at Trump's DOJ, at the Pentagon, and of course at the White House itself, who all worked together for months to try to steal the election, which they knew they were likely going to lose. And uh, Blumenthal goes back all the way to January of election year, uh, back in 2020, to explain just how these groups came together to plot To steal a presidential election, which all culminated, of course, in the January 6th insurrection, which was the final desperate act of that attempted coup as opposed to being the coup itself. So Blumenthal, I think, is right. His piece is persuasive. It's well-documented. I'll link to his full piece at The Guardian when I post today's broadcast at bradblog.com later tonight. But Blumenthal concludes his piece uh, this way. He says, of the thousands involved in the Capitol riot, 725 so far have been charged with various crimes, but those sentenced mostly the true believer foot soldiers of the the Trump mob, they were not the originators of the coup, the most dangerous sedition against the constitutional order since secession. Nor were the leaders of the militias, of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters. They were not present at the creation of this coup. The January 6th attack was a spawn of the coup. It was its effect, not its Alpha and Omega Only those incited to sacrifice themselves in the picket's charge of the insurrection have paid the price. None of those who conceived the coup a year earlier have been brought before a federal grand jury and charged or apparently are even being investigated by the Department of Justice. Blumenthal says it would be as if only the Watergate burglars were prosecuted and that was the end of the affair. All of the higher ups involved in the scandal Chief of Staff Bob Haldeman, his deputy John Earl Ehrlichman, Attorney General John Mitchell, the entire cast of complicit characters, and President Richard Nixon himself would have remained untouched and in power. Blumenthal writes there will be more to know about the coup from the House investigation. The committee has gathered more than 30,000 documents, interviewed more than 300 witnesses, two, three, many. John Deans may end up testifying before the cameras. Criminal referrals will probably be made. The coup of 2020 gestated within the central organizations of the Republican right, and it was a learning experience for the Republican Party as a whole. One that, by the way, unless accountability is brought, yeah, they are planning to build upon in future elections. By December of last year, writes Blumenthal, Republicans had proposed 262 bills, quote, to politicize, criminalize or interfere with the nonpartisan administration of elections, with 32 of those bills becoming laws in 17 different states. That, according to the nonprofit Protect Democracy Group, the threat of intimidation, coercion and intimidation hangs over American politics. The coup may have failed, but it rolls on and it will continue to roll on, I would argue, until real accountability, criminal accountability is brought to those who carried out this plot. Not just the grunts and the suckers and the dupes who were hoaxed into believing that the election was stolen. So that they would then, you know, do Trump's physical dirty work at the Capitol for him, but the plotters who carried it out. So during the holidays, as uh, Nicole Sandler was filling in for us on the broadcast between Christmas and New Year's, she interviewed our friend, a longtime independent investigative journalist, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net. Marcy has followed the hundreds of cases that have been brought by the DOJ against the insurrectionists. She's covered them so far as as closely as probably anyone in this country. She appears to be somewhat bullish on the strategy of the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, much more bullish than I have been. If you haven't heard that interview in full, it was very detailed She went into a a lot of evidence, a lot of what's going on. You can download it, of course, for free at bradblog.com. But here's the central part of her argument, suggesting that those of us who are concerned that Garland and the DOJ are taking no action against the perpetrators of this broader coup, that, well, maybe we should hold our fire. While the January 6th committee is working from the top down and the DOJ, she argues, as they should, are working from the bottom up. And the two of them, she suggests, are very close to ending up in the same place, looking at the same high-level people. Here's a few of Marcy Wheeler's remarks on on that from her conversation with Nicole a week or two ago on the broadcast.
4: That's where DOJ is at. And then you've got Jan 6, and they're kind of working from the top down, and they're really not that far apart. Understand that they are working from the crime scene. What January 6th committee, what what Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney are discovering in in their committee work going from the top down is really, really, really not that far apart from where DOJ is from the bottom up. Am I impatient with DOJ? No. There are a lot of people out there who are sowing frustration Mm -hmm. with, with Merrick Garland. They are incompetent to talk about what the what the investigation looks like. They're not talking about, for example, the known investigation into Sidney Powell. There's the Rudy Giuliani thing. People have forgotten that in April, like literally the first big decision that Lisa Monaco did after she became deputy attorney general was to raid Rudy Giuliani. Did you know the DOJ has already arrested two Alex Jones employees? Like Alex Jones is literally the pie paper of of insurrection. This is not that complicated. uh, What you need to know is Joe Biggs, Alex Jones, Donald Trump, those three people, they get you there. The question is, can you get to Alex Jones? And through Alex Jones, can you get to Trump? Um, That's what that's what has taken a year to do. I am not promising this is going to work. This is the thing. Due process takes a lot of time. And, you know, at this point, we know of three or four people who are one degree away from who are, you know, who can cooperate against Trump associates who have already flipped, but it takes a lot of time. And so I can't promise it's going to work quickly enough. What I can say is people should not feel good or bad about the investigation. People should say, okay, I'm I'm sufficiently confident that Garland isn't throwing the investigation that I can turn my attention elsewhere. People should focus their time on trying to, Um, beat back state-level attempts to shut down democracy. DOJ has arrested 700 people. Over 200 are charged with obstruction. There are 350 identified assault suspects who are at large. These people, there are people who were part of the attack who are still at large and are dangerous, and that's what people need to worry about. Not that Merrick Garland is not doing everything he can do. It's that um, the scope of this is really... People should stop worrying about Merrick Garland. Start doing other things to try and save democracy.
2: Well, that's Marcy Wheeler's argument, and frankly, uh, she's—I mean, she's hardly a democratic hack or an apologist uh, for anyone, to be honest. Uh, hearing her, hearing Marcy Wheeler, actually made me feel a lot better about what Garland might be doing, at least in regard to January 6. I appreciated that reminder that, yeah, uh, 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 Rudy Giuliani. Has has been raided And all of his his material His phones At his office At his home Is all being gone through Right now By the DOJ
3: Yes And uh, the Trump's lawyer Sidney Powell She's also under investigation For her participation In spreading election lies mm-hmm. About the 2020 election So You know Maybe You know As Marcy says uh, Due process Takes time And they have to make sure That they li- That they uh, Do lay out The evidentiary yeah. process yeah. To make sure That these uh prosecutions would hold should they bring them. And gosh, it would be nice if they would bring them.
2: So I'm curious, does Marcy's comments make you feel any better about what is going on at the DOJ? 818 985 Five seven three five eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Uh, I'd love to hear from you about that because then Garland offered these comments last week at the DOJ during his uh, remarks commemorating the one-year anniversary of the deadly attempted insurrection. Um, then also gave me a little bit more. Confidence. I'm going to play just a short clip from that because I want to get to some of your calls. 818 985 KPFK. Here's Merrick Garland. The actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. The Justice Department
5: remains committed to holding all January 6 perpetrators
2: at any level accountable under law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy we will follow the facts wherever they lead so you mind it did Garland's remarks there last week at the DOJ, promising to follow the investigation wherever it leads, no matter how high, no matter if they were people who were there on January 6th at the Capitol or not. Did that give you any more confidence? 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Any more confidence in Merrick Garland and the DOJ's work towards accountability for the real perpetrators of the failed plot to steal the presidential Election in 2020. I would love to hear from you. Let's take a quick break uh, and we will go to your calls. But a quick email here from listener Flavio, who writes me uh, via Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And yeah, I think my Internet is now working again. Uh, he he cites a piece uh, from Jeremy Stahl at Slate last week, arguing that those charged for the insurrection are so far getting off with light sentences, which is something that uh, else that Marcy Wheeler discussed in her recent Conversation on the broadcast, but Flavio writes, This does not bode well for the rule of law. Do you feel as I do? He asks, First of all, I'm horrified this happened here, but then all these people are getting off with what amounts to slaps on the wrist. Does not compute, he writes. Had the people who stormed the Capitol been of a different hue, The blood and the pepper gas smoke would be visible from the International Space Station. Yours, Flavio. And he adds, P.S. Merrick Garland's words ring hollow. So we'll chalk that up to someone who is uh, one vote against feeling better after Garland's remarks. Still, uh, perhaps because I need to be optimistic about something at this point, I actually do feel moderately, moderately better. He's promised to follow the facts and bring accountability. No matter where those facts take them, it's taking far too long for many of us. But as Marcy uh, Wheeler argues, this is how long this stuff takes, especially with the largest such investigation by far in DOJ history. Your thoughts on all of that after this quick break? 818 985 5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the Bradcast.
3: You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported, thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.
2: Welcome back. It's The Bradcast. Where have we been? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Taking your calls on uh, Merrick Garland. Do you feel better or are you kind of where we were before he came out and promised accountability for all of the January 6th insurrectionists, not just the ones who actually attacked the Capitol, but the ones who planned them going up, in theory, as I hear his comments as high as the president, the former president of the United States, 818 985 KPFK is our phone number, 818 985 5735. My internet is back on, so you, I think, so you can uh, reach me also on the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog if you want to ring in there. But first, let's go to uh, Gigi in Pasadena. Oh, Gigi, welcome back to the Bradcast. Happy New Year's.
6: Happy New Year's, darling, to you and Desi. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear
2: you just fine, Gigi.
6: Oh, okay, because Desi, there, there was a, a little delay.
2: So oh, okay.
6: here, okay. You know me; I always try to. Uh, my idol is Morris from Long Beach, so I'm gonna try to get it in and jump off. Okay, my uh, vote, my vote is 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 a negative, is no, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, nobody seems to remember that when President Obama. <clears throat> finally got, I guess so desperate to seat someone on the Supreme Court. He told his people, "Go, uh, uh, you know, talk to the Republicans and come back with uh, a list of names of people that they would accept him putting uh, President Obama seating on the court. Mr. Garland happened to be on the top of the list mm-hmm. that the Republicans might accept, and mm-hmm. we need to...
2: No, what happened? Oh no, we lost G. We need to something, and she left it as a cliffhanger. I, and I'm i not sure why we lost her there just now on the phones, but uh, I, I, I think she was— Against Merrick Garland, she was not confident that he was going to help us out. Here. Yes, I, I believe that
3: she was uh, she was uh, less than encouraged by anything that Garland has said. But uh, hopefully she'll call back in real quick. And, get and it I'm
2: sorry about that, that, Gigi. I'm not sure what happened there because I was quite enjoying that call. Let's go to uh, our old friend Roger in Minneapolis is also here. Hey, Roger, don't know if I've speak- spoken to you since the uh, New Year. So happy New Year, my friend.
5: Yes, Happy New Year to you and Desi and all. Um, Brad, uh, I uh, have a definite feeling about uh, Merrick Garland's uh, overall performance. It does sound, um, and I I tend to agree with Marcy, that uh, it does sound like a lot of avenues are being pursued. But here's the problem. Clearly, the way that these decisions are being made is taking political considerations into into um, account, and uh, because why? Why do you say? How do,
2: why do you say that?
5: The Mueller the, Mueller in, the Mueller indictment is what it really is uh, should have been executed on a long time ago, and so that's to me a key problem. Is that uh, they're making. Um, uh, decisions based upon how politics the thing is as opposed to pursuing a criminal when, when, when we have a clearly lined out indictment. Now, counts now of Roger, of
2: Roger, listen, let me break in here for a second, Roger. Uh, you're saying it's f- clearly for political reasons. Uh, w- what makes you say that? Why, why is it political reasons? How do you know why, that... Why, yeah. Why has
5: there not been prosecution of Trump um, and his cronies based upon the obstruction of justice charges uh, detailed by the Mueller report.
2: Well, I, and I'm not going to tell you that I know why there has not been, but uh, when I have spoken to uh, various uh, constitutional uh, you know, legal experts and so forth, uh, uh, former prosecutors, one of the things they point to is that Donald Trump may or may not have known he was doing something wrong. Now, I don't think that should be an excuse for anyone. Uh, You know, if, if you break the law, you break the law. But there are reasons why prosecutions are not brought, or they feel that they simply cannot, they don't have enough information to be able to prove that he was in fact doing it to obstruct the investigation or some such. In other words, there are reasons. I'm not saying they're good reasons. Uh, you said they were political reasons. I don't know if they are or not. Does that answer that question?
5: Well, actually, that that is a pretty useful. That's a pretty useful set of comments that you just gave me there, Brad. Um, I, I I would like to have confidence in Garland. I would like to, but. I, I don't understand very well why we haven't seen prosecution based upon the Mueller report.
2: I got gotcha. you. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why uh, they threw Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer, in jail for a conspiracy that the prosecutor said was actually directed by Donald Trump. But the guy who directed it has faced no charges. I don't understand it either, Roger. Hey, a lot of folks want to get in. Good hearing from you, my friend. Uh, stay safe Thank and you. warm up there in Minneapolis. I know you guys are getting slammed right now. Uh, we did get Gigi back. Let me let her finish her thoughts here because I didn't want to mischaracterize. What she had to say. Uh, hey, Gigi. Sorry, we dropped you there. I don't know what happened, but uh, basically, did was I interpreting correctly that you were saying you do not have uh, any more confidence in now in Merrick Garland?
6: Yes, I, you did. Can you hear me?
2: I can. Yeah.
6: Okay. Yes. Yes. And the reason I don't know if you got it is because as I, I was saying, when President Obama wanted to have a, a seat someone on the Supreme court and, and they weren't going to let him, he, he told his people go over and find out who the Republicans will accept. Is there anyone because mm-hmm. he wanted to have a place at least someone on the Supreme court, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and Mary Garland was at the top of the list that the Republicans you know, would accept. Yeah. And that should be factored in when we talk about the, we can't forget those kinds of things. And the other issue is just what everyone's saying though, who in America up at that level, ever goes to jail. It's always the low hanging fruit that gets prosecuted, mm. and it's true. But anyway, uh, love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That, I know you have a lot of calls.
2: Thanks, Gigi. Love you back. Appreciate your thoughts there. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK Kylo. Kylo or Kilo. Kylo Rico uh, writes in via the Twitters, uh, and who can? Since I have internet now again, I, you can tweet me at the Brad Blog. Um, Kylo Rico, he or she says, listening to your show right now. In regard to the voting rights bill, what are your thoughts on concerns from the Green Party that HR1 and/or the Freedom to Vote Act will weaken third-party chances of getting elected? Are these concerns well-founded or overblown? My answer is, I don't know. So I don't want to mislead you one way or another. I have seen the complaints uh, from uh, folks in the Green Party. I don't know specifically what they are. Uh, My understanding is that they were not so much about um, weakening third party chances of getting elected as it was uh, making it more difficult for third parties to get on the ballot. Uh, which I have a problem with I have a concern with uh, so but I can't answer you either way yet But I will do my best to look into that in 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 the future So thanks for that note and let me go to Suzanne in West Hollywood. Hey Suzanne. Welcome to the broadcast. Happy New Year Are you uh, feeling better or worse about Merrick Garland these days?
1: Well, hey, Fred, um Happy New Year to you, too I am feeling cautiously optimistic. Um, I, you know, one of my first jobs was working for my dad's, uh, loft firm and, um, he was not a, he, he was not a constitutional lawyer, but I was privy to how slow the legal process works. And so on the one hand Mm -hmm. I agree with Gigi Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand, I am kind of going, if they're going to build a case, They want to make sure that that case is going to, you know, stand, uh, you know, hold water. Mm -hmm. And um, and particularly with Trump, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to want him to weasel away. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they want to make sure uh, because this is going to be scrutinized um, so I would say I'm 51 (laughs) percent.
2: Okay. So you're mildly encouraged. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, as they used to say, you know, kill the king, you better make sure— you get it right, you only have one chance. If you're going to uh, bring a criminal indictment against a president of the United States, which has never been done before, you damn well better make sure you have got it right. And I should underscore, I think one of my uh, conversations, one of my interviews, I can't remember if it was in the interview, was it with Will Will Bunch or, or Nils Gilman last week, uh, who said that after Watergate... There was not even a committee. The House committee hadn't even been set up until two years later that the committee right now, you know, set up within months after the January 6th uh, insurrection is moving at lightning speed by way of comparison to uh, Watergate, which ended up throwing a whole bunch of folks uh, high up folks in jail and, and, and running a sitting president out of the White House. So it does take time and. I I know we're all anxious to make it, to want to see it, to want to see that guy behind bars, to want to see that guy in a orange jumpsuit, but it takes time, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think um, if you really think about it, he's like a horror character that you think is dead, and he.
2: I know, and he keeps, <laughs> he keeps coming back out of the grave. I know. Working on it, Suzanne. Thanks for that call. Good to hear from you. Happy Mm -hmm. New Year. All right, let me go to uh, Harold in Santa Barbara. If I can learn how to use these phones, you'd think I'd know by now. Harold, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
7: Hey, Brad. uh, Don't take this too hard. And I just learned a new word this year. I'm not happy about it. It's called love. So I'll extend my (laughs) love to you. But a couple of weeks ago, I made a comment about the president and one mansion, how they Shared the same bed, and I took your advice, uh-huh. and uh, oh, it was awful. But I should explain. I grew up.
2: Yes, you must explain because I don't remember talking about uh, sharing the same bed with the, with the president or Joe Manchin or what this advice was. So, yes, Harold, clarify please.
7: Well, I made the comment that they both received their uh, funding from oil companies and finance companies ah. and coal companies. Okay, and you said, well, Yo, I have to back that up. I still can't back that up, but where this rabbit hole led me was ugly, and it went all the way back to Watergate. So, hey, I am so discouraged with her latest statement. You know, I mean, Nixon was a scapegoat for the people that actually planned the—I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm extending my love to you. D-
2: uh, but, no, that's a, that's okay, Harold. I, so, so uh, I, I actually still don't understand what you're trying to say.
7: Oh. I am saying that the president of the United States and Manson share the same bed, okay. and they eat from the same table, and you suggested for me to find some facts. And when I went to find the facts, it went way back. You ended up back
2: in Watergate. Yes. Okay. Well, keep working on the facts, Harold. I'm still open to your, uh, to your argument, but let's nail down the facts, my friend.
7: Yes, I agree. Thank you for your time, and I hope you understood what I was saying.
2: Sort of. Stay out of rabbit holes, Harold. Good, good hearing from you, my friend. <laughs> Bye now. Happy New Year! Uh, all right, we got uh, we have time. Yes, Mike in L.A. Oh, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
1: Hey.
8: Yeah. Well, what gives me a little confidence in the prosecution of Donald Trump is that he shot the Constitution. Uh, right out on Fifth Avenue, or at Constitution Avenue, as it happened. Yeah. He did it right on live television. He said, uh, go down there to the Congress. There was no plausible reason for any uh, expression of political will Mm -hmm. to be happening with a mob. And uh, then his lawyer says, go down there and do trial by combat. Yeah. He can try to cozy his or snark his way out of it any way he wants, but that means go down there and do violence. So since it's all been done out in the open on national television, I think Merrick Garland, however slow he might be, should be getting us to the point that we actually get this character revoked from public
2: life. Yeah, and remember, as Marcy Willard pointed out, the DOJ raided, uh, you know, right after uh, Biden came to office, raided Rudy Giuliani's home and his office and all his many phones and his computers, and they are now going through and doing what's called a privilege uh, a list of, you know, what things are privileged in some way, attorney-client privilege or whatever, but they are going through everything that rudy giuliani ever had to say ever wrote there's a lot of information there that guy who stood by the president and called for trial by combat why is the doj doing that what are they up to what are they working towards we don't know
8: i contacted my uh, congresswoman waters and suggested that we change constitution day or law day from may day to january 6 because Mm. not only is that the date that Congress actually formalizes the election that also uh, is the date that for the first time in 230 years, someone attempted to overthrow the Constitution.
0: Yep. And a whole bunch
8: of people, some of them I don't admire that much on other grounds, stood firm for the Constitution, including the uh, Georgia Yep. A uh, politician that uh, refused to come up with a bunch of phony votes.
2: For Trump. Yep. Br- Brad Raffensberger, the secretary of state who we we never laud here, but he did the right thing in that case. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that call. Let me get I got to get to Morris now because uh, and, uh, sadly, I've got about 15 seconds for you, Mo. But you have a fan in Gigi, apparently, who uh, looks up to you as her disciple
7: she's right. It don't take me long. Forget Mary Garland. Where is your boy Chris, uh, Christopher Ray from the FBI? After <laughs> Peter Navarro made that comment on TV, I'm surprised they didn't pick him up in terms of, in terms of how the crew was going to go down. I don't know why they didn't pick him up, Brad. That's the
8: focus right there. The FBI is picking up Peter Navarro.
2: We'll, we, yeah, we will look at Christopher Ray. Good point. <laughs> Not that he's my boy. we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Yaut. Well done, sir. Uh, his first time Bradcast. Well done. Uh, thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the TheBradBlog. We will see you there until we see you here. Hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.